Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we break down what's happening with Google at the moment, why they're threatening to remove the search engine in Australia, and what the future of news media looks like. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Ragusa. And I'm Vanessa Di Grazia. And welcome back to another episode of Australia Explained. We're back. And we are back. <laughs> as usual, we would like to start by acknowledging that we're recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people, and we pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Speaking about being back, we're also back in lockdown, which is how we first started this podcast. So we are very much so well equipped to be recording in these circumstances, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah, we've got the Zoom recording down pat. It's really our natural habitat. Really is. No issues here. Um, Today we are talking about Google and Facebook, our two big tech players where we get our news from. It's actually funny. I've had a few people in the past week ask me, what's happening with Google? And I'm like, well, we're uploading an episode, so maybe stay tuned. Just Um, wait. (laughs) Yeah, just wait because it has been all over the news and there's constant updates, but you might not know where these updates are coming from or what they're about. Um, So there's some legal changes happening that could possibly force these tech giants to pay for the news that they show on their websites. And it's definitely ruffling some feathers, to say the least. Indeed it is. Um, So much that Google's threatening to pull their search engine from Australia entirely, which, considering over three quarters of Aussies use Google as their preferred search engine... I know I definitely do, and I'm assuming you do too. (laughs) Google Chrome Uh, as well. Yeah, it's basically integrated into everything. Um, And so it's a pretty big deal. So even though this issue affects both Google and Facebook, we named the episode Bye Bye Google because this is definitely the focus point at the moment with Google threatening to pull the platform. Yeah, and Facebook has made some threats too, but the Google one just seems to be a lot more far-reaching. So let's get right into it, Vanessa. What are these legal changes that we're speaking of in today's episode? So it's called the Media Bargaining Code and basically on the 20th of April 2020, the Australian government asked the ACCC, which is the board that regulates the market to make sure that there's fair competition, etc., to develop this code. So they wanted to address this issue they saw of bargaining power imbalances between Australian news media businesses and digital platforms, specifically Google and Facebook. Yeah, so we'll break it down a little bit more. Basically, They've developed this code of conduct, which is meant to ensure that these big tech companies like Google and Facebook, who control a large proportion of news distribution and are extremely influential, are not exploiting small news media businesses who create the news content. Um, and they aren't as big and rich as these big digital companies. So the code outlines that these Digitech companies, as we'll call them in today's episode, Facebook and Google we're referring to, they must now pay small news media businesses for their news content. Yeah, the changing landscape of media in the age of technology and social media and all these things means that news media businesses rely on companies like these to promote their content through search functions and advertising, etc. So Facebook and Google have each become unavoidable trading partners for Australian news media businesses in reaching their audiences online 
and this results in an imbalance of bargaining power. So in essence, they've monopolized the market so much and if you don't know what monopoly means, I beg you to listen to our very first episode where we talk about um, the Rupert Murdoch media monopoly. Um, So yeah, they've created this monopoly so that smaller media companies have no choice but to work with Google and Facebook, no matter if they're getting a good deal or not. Yeah, and it's really added to the discussion that's heated up as of late within recent years with a lot of, you know, Senate inquiries and hearings about how powerful these digitech companies have become. Google is the world's most visited website with 2.3 million searches per minute. And the parent company of Google called Alphabet also owns Android, which dominates 85% of the smartphone market, you know, leaving only around 11% to Apple, which is nuts to think about. But Alphabet and Google also own YouTube and Waze, so they've definitely got their hands in everything. Facebook consists of Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp, to name a few of the big players. And combined across these apps are 6.2 billion users, which is around 81% of the world's population, if we assume that these are all individual people. Um, But even if we take out all the multiple accounts that the same person might have across all these platforms, it's still a ginormous share of the world's population. It's funny how you say that Android's 85% of the market, because I think we live in such a bubble of the West, you know, Australia, um, the US, the UK, where Apple dominates that we forget that we are a tiny amount of the population and Mm -hmm. Android has the whole of Asia and so many other regions. Anyway, tangent, but interesting. Um, The issue of news circulation and news content is particularly important to these apps. So there was some 2020 research by the University of Canberra that found that 48% of Aussies rely on some form of social media for their news. And if we were to do a poll of where all of you guys get your news, I'm pretty sure it would be either from one of these companies or if not from a similarly large company like Twitter or Apple News. Or even Instagram as well with the amount of news accounts on Instagram. Um, It's really interesting to reflect upon our own news habits. So both digitech companies like Google and Facebook and small news media businesses like online newspapers and blogs, they benefit from the relationship because Google gets to use their platform and these news media businesses get advertising from Google and Facebook. But the Media Bargaining Code of Conduct plans to level the playing field a little bit more just to make sure that the benefits on each side of the deal are somewhat equal and fair. So now we know what the code is, how does it work? So at the moment, only Google and Facebook have been identified as digital platform operators that are subject to this code, Um, um, but there might be many more to come because it is still being drafted. News media businesses are eligible for the code, meaning that they can be one of the businesses who get paid for their news content if they meet some certain criteria. So they must produce what is called core news, Um, that is online. So this is journalism that is on publicly significant issues. It's not journalism on, you know, horoscopes or things like that. It's actual news that will be of interest to the Australian public. Horoscopes is news. Is it? (laughs) I'm definitely joking. I mean, we follow them, but how closely should we follow them? (laughs) These news media businesses also need to be independent, so they can't have any big corporations or any links to governments or unions that may influence the type of content that they produce. 
These businesses must operate in Australia to serve an Australian audience, so it's very Australia-focused. And these businesses must have an annual revenue of greater than $150,000, which leaves out a lot of the really, really small and independent businesses. Yeah, for sure. And once registered, um, these eligible news media companies can then engage in negotiations with Google and Facebook about payment for their content. So Google and Facebook must pay for news content if they want to display it on their websites, provide any sort of link to the content, um, a preview, a sample. Like, for example, when you go on Google and sometimes you can get an extended preview of the news content like in a little box with some lines yeah so for that they would even need to be paying um and these negotiations are subject to this negotiate arbitrate model it's called which sounds very fancy and professional (laughs) but basically means that negotiations for payments have to be met within a specific time frame and if they can't agree in that time frame they're referred to what's called an arbitrage Uh, which is an independent body who can settle the dispute provide a solution for the next 12 months So if Google and Facebook refuse to negotiate, they have to pay a penalty of $10 million or 10% of their annual turnover for that year, whichever's bigger. And I mean, to me, that sounds so unrealistic. It kind of sounds like it's like the little kid trying to stand up to the bully and the bully is just going to absolutely squash the kid under his finger. Yeah. Which Australia is the little kid, if that wasn't clear. (laughs) Yeah, and to get Google and Facebook to agree to these... I guess different points has been quite a hassle already. Um, these this is the proposed code, so nothing is set in stone yet. But they but negotiations with Google and Facebook have not gone too great at the moment regarding these points. A few other rules that Google and Facebook must follow: they are also required to provide at least fourteen days notice of any changes they make to their algorithms, which may impact upon the visibility of the news content that they purchase from news media businesses. So if anything changes in the algorithm that might change the way the content is displayed or what comes up first or how it appears to users, they need to let these news media businesses know. So overall, media companies are always encouraged to make commercial deals with platforms like Google and Facebook, but now they have this code that will ensure that there is a framework in place in case these negotiations don't go the way they need to go. We touched on this earlier, but what has been the response to this code? As you can probably predict, Google and Facebook were not so happy with the proposed code. Um, And that's why Google has threatened to remove its search engine entirely from Australia, um, which would, by the way, completely change our way of life because I reckon I say just Google it at least 10 times a day or whenever I have the most minuscule of thoughts or worries or, you know, curious ideas, it's just, oh, let me pull up Google. So I can't imagine what life would be like without it. But the biggest issue in this whole thing revolves around payment for links themselves. So You know, Google itself is a whole service that links you to other websites. And that's what a big issue is revolving around at the moment. Yeah, once you break it down, you realize all the little nuances and how this probably doesn't make sense in practice. So Mm -hmm. the managing director of Google Australia, Mel Silver, she released a public statement and a video that explained that having to pay to include links to news content would completely undermine and ruin the whole point of the search engine. And she has a very good point here. Because the whole premise of Google is forwarding you to an appropriate website to get your news. If the code is passed, Google will have to pay for all the links 
that you see in search results. And the whole point of the internet is to move about freely. And many people have chimed in to say that all these agreements and all these rules are near impossible, which I tend to agree with because regardless of if it has a moral intention of trying to keep Aussie news media businesses afloat, it doesn't seem like this code's very realistic or fair in terms of its expectations. Yeah, and when you think about the pages and pages of search results that come up in Google every time, imagine how many of those links you'll have to be paying for. It's it's quite ridiculous. Um, pulling news content from Google and Facebook would have absolutely detrimental effects for these news media businesses in terms of advertising and coverage. Um, Google and Facebook also add value to news media businesses by providing those little previews that we spoke about. Um, And this just means that their content is sort of displayed and reframed in a really enticing way. So the government has started negotiations with these Digitech giants to resolve the issue, but they are still ongoing and yet to be resolved. But in researching this app, I found a really interesting argument that offered an alternative solution to the payment for links. So instead of putting a cost on advertising, critics of the code have suggested mandating the amount of advertising that platforms like Google and Facebook must give to news media businesses. So they're they're changing the question from how much should Google and Facebook pay to supply news links to how often should Google and Facebook supply news links. And this way, the small news media industry can remain alive with, you know, the necessary amount of advertising, whilst Google and Facebook don't really have to pay that much. Other critics have been fast to point out too, um, like a few more issues with the code, mostly being that this negotiate arbitrate model is pretty worrisome and could worsen the relationship between the digitech companies and the news media industry because they could be stuck in this endless cycle of negotiation and particularly if each of these dispute resolutions only lasts the following 12 months, you can imagine just how much back and forth this is going to be. Yeah, just company after company, they can't reach a solution, goes to the arbitrar, the arbitrar has a resolution, and then it's the next company that just goes through that cycle. And Lots of taxpayer dollars as well. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there are those who fully support the code, including giants like Microsoft, probably because Microsoft has their own search engine that could benefit from all of this, which is Bing. Um, they've been very eager to clarify that they're on board. Probably because no one wants to use Bing. Oh, I, <laughs> I don't think I've ever used Bing in I've my life. I've never used Bing. I've used Yahoo like a couple times. I don't know if that's still a thing. Yes. Never Bing. Never Bing. Bing just seems so not usable. It, maybe that's because I'm so used <laughs> to Google formatting and Google's, you know, display. But something about yeah. Bing just makes me think, oh, this isn't a proper search engine. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, Bing. Like, we're not trying to run you under the mud, but that's just how strong Google is in our world right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, there's all, also been a lot of support from Australian broadcasters such as The Guardian, the ABC, SBS, and Seven. Funnily enough, um, News Corp and the Murdoch Media Gang have argued aggressively against the code, and this could be for a few reasons. One, they could be threatened by the advertising that could be offered to rival companies, and this could limit News Corp's influence and spread in the Australia you know, news media market. Or two, they could be potentially scared that Google and Facebook would limit the amount of News Corp content, considering how radical these newspapers are on a lot of things, you know, for example, denying climate change. 
Yeah, they might be worried that Google wouldn't even want to pay for their news. And it's a very good point that leads into a whole other conversation about the fear of censorship from big tech companies like Google and Facebook. Um, Because that's like a sentiment that's already really strong in the US and is definitely rising here. But maybe that's for another episode because that's a whole other hatchet. Yeah, and it's developing too, so you never know. An interesting point to note, though, the code probably wouldn't do too much in terms of diversifying the news media market in Australia, given that the eligible businesses for the code must have a turnover of $150,000 a year or more. So all the big players that already dominate so much of the market, like News Corp and 10 and 7 and 9, they still get such a heavy say in this industry that they already have such a huge part in. And this all links back to our very first episode on Media Monopoly. It really is about who gets a say and who doesn't. Yeah, sadly, Australia Explained does not meet that $150,000 benchmark. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) But maybe if you guys like and share enough, we will. Maybe. Um, (laughs) And that reason of like that $150,000 rule is why I can't really agree with the way that this code's been framed by the government as, you know, we're fighting against the big US tech companies. Because yes, we are fighting against them, but only to, like, conserve the big Australian media companies. So you're just going from one billionaire company to another. Um, Obviously, like, Aussie jobs and the health of our media play into this as well, but that qualification definitely undermines their whole mission a little bit. You might have heard this a little bit in the news, but we'll answer it for you here. What has Google suggested instead? So they've gone straight to the people and offered us a new product, and it is called News Showcase. So it only came out less than two weeks ago, and it's a licensing program that provides monthly payments to some news media publishers to curate content across different Google services, so like Google News, some Android apps, etc., and we'll include a link in the show notes of a really great video from ZFeed that explains how it works. Um, currently, 25 Australian publications have signed up, mostly smaller independents such as Saturday Paper, Crikey, or Tanya's favourite, The Conversation. The Conversation. Uh, the Conversation. <laughs> um, and yesterday, Seven Media joined Google as a major Australian publishing partner also. Yeah, so it's essentially like little cards that you can swipe that contain all these stories from the publishers that they have paid for. And you can see it across, you know, a range of different platforms. Um, And the way that Google has explained this news showcase platform is that it is a part of the bargaining code. So if a news media company cannot make a deal with Google News Showcase, it will then go through that negotiation arbitration model. So it hasn't necessarily solved the issue about payment for links, which is where a lot of Google's, I guess, discontent comes from. News Showcase has also been rolled out in a few other countries and in the spotlight at the moment is how it's being played in France. It was recently revealed that Google would be paying around 142 million Australian dollars to 120 French media companies over three years. And this received a lot of criticism for not being nearly enough um, payment for this news content. Yeah, Nine and News Corp argue that um, the Australian media publishers should be paid anywhere between $600 million to $1 billion per year. Yeah. Which is crazy in comparison to that $142 million figure. 
And the French example is potentially reducing the value of this content produced by companies. It's setting a global precedent of the types of deals that can be expected from these bargaining codes. Yeah, mind you, that 142 million is across three years to 120 different companies. So you can probably expect that each company wouldn't be getting too much. So I guess Australia is arguing that a lot more needs to be done here. Important question, why is this code of conduct being developed now of all times? It has a lot to do with the decline of the traditional news media industry, particularly newspapers, but it's not just because of the rise of social media. So over the past 20 or so odd years, many news media businesses have lost a lot of revenue because classified advertising is no longer a thing really. So there is, there used to be that part of the newspaper, and it does still exist, where you'd have classified ads for things like houses and jobs and um, car sales. There are so many websites that are dedicated to these things now that there is no longer a need to pay newspapers and media businesses this money for advertising. Now you can just easily log on to realestate.com.au if you want to see what's available for rent. Or you can go to carsales.com.au if you want to see for cars being advertised. So because of this move to all these websites, um, revenue from classified advertising fell $1.3 billion between 2002 and 2018. So we have that side of things. But alongside all of this, more money is being given to Google and Facebook for advertising, which worsens this whole empower balance that the code is trying to tackle. So it is estimated that for every $100 of advertising that a company invests into their content, approximately $53 goes to Google, $28 goes to Facebook, and then $19 goes anywhere else. That just really shows the hold that these companies have. Um, There is some promising news in that online and ongoing subscriptions to news media are growing year by year. Um, So people subscribing to the newspaper they enjoy, etc. But this is not yet nearly at the rate to make up for all the money lost from advertising. Yeah. The code was also established to save public interest journalism in Australia, especially after News Corp or, you know, Murdoch Town shut down 60 of its publications. So we've already had such a decrease in the Australian media landscape. So the code attempts to provide a light to, you know, the diminishing industry by boosting revenue in any way it can. I think it brings light to a discussion about how far government regulation can go in a world that's changing so, so fast. Because this made me think about when the government was trying to cover the losses of the taxi industry amongst the rise of Uber. Mm. Um, So yeah, I just wonder, like, should we just accept that digital capitalism is going to keep breeding these kind of situations or we are we really going to try to keep tirelessly regulating against it like i don't really have the answer but i think it's a good question yes food for thought definitely and now it's time for our recommendations tanya what have you got so going along with our you know balanced approach here at australia explained where we like to give both sides of the argument Um, My recommendation is an interesting one. It's a video made by a YouTube executive, Matt Koval, explaining the bargaining code to YouTube content creators. And it's just really fascinating to see how he explains the code because he's mainly focusing on 
um, how giving that notice of any algorithm changes could allow outsiders to, you know, understand how YouTube ranks its content. And then those outsiders can then become YouTube creators who like become more famous than the existing creators. So it, it was just a really fascinating video. And I was really interested to see that that was the point he focused on. And that's how he explained it to his audience. But it's just important to remember that bias is real. Maybe we'll be able to get it on that and get our podcast super famous. Yeah, he was saying. <laughs> yeah, he was saying. Oh, if your algorithm, if our algorithm is exposed, people will be able to see how they can become YouTube famous or something like that, along the lines of that. <laughs> okay, got to study up that one. Um, <laughs> my recommendation is to get a little bit of perspective by reflecting on either, depending on your age, how you or somebody you know used to find news before 1998. So we were both born in 1998. So I plan on asking my mom about this. But because um, the Google really did change the world in the way that we found news. So what was the breadth of news? Was it like an ignorance is bliss kind of situation? Are things better now? What do we have to lose if we do lose this access to these kind of search engines and news? Um, which is just an interesting question to talk to anyone about. We were born in 1998, so I think there still would have been a few years of development before the internet really kicked off. But I still can't remember how I got news before then. So very interesting question. And that's it from us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you think. We're always interested to hear your thoughts. And in the meantime, you should already, but do now if you do not, follow us for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content on Instagram at Australia Explained Pod. All the info that we talked about in the episode is in the show notes for you to check out. See you next week. Bye. Bye.